we watched the new Mortal Kombat movie and have some thoughts. Our very own Justin Adaptive Trigger Gordon joins us this week to talk about the film, react and review it, and then Catalyst and I rifle off our three weakest characters in Season 5 of Street Fighter V right now, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. I am excited to talk about something that isn't Street Fighter V, at least for the first part of the podcast today. Uh, We watched the new Mortal Kombat film. And uh, we, we have, we're, we're going to half in the bag it, right? Like, <laughs> uh, uh, got to give a nod to, to Red Letter Media, of course. We've been watching them for a long time and really enjoy their stuff. Not to take anything from them. I don't even know that they're going to review this movie. They had some negative things to say about the first Mortal Kombat movie, which I am a little sensitive about. But we're going to talk about it today, just kind of break things down, give our reactions to it. And to do that, we are bringing on Justin Adaptive Trigger. Gordon, one of our uh, writers for the front page. Justin, welcome. He's he's only here via disembodied voice, but you know, uh, the rules of Mortal Kombat, that's his arcana. He gets to uh, teleport in voice only and talk in podcasts. What's up, Justin? Hey, this is uh, Justin Adaptive Trigger Gordon, as you uh, basically just said. One of the writers at Event Hubs. Um, haven't been here since you know 2018 when I uh, you know, spent much of time bashing Smash Ultimate's Ward of Light mode, and now I'm I'm here to bash uh, Mortal Kombat's uh, the, the movie. <laughs> uh, oh just to tip my hand a little bit on what I think about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up actually playing probably more Mortal Kombat than um, Street Fighter. Smash was always my big thing, but Mortal Kombat was always like the second game I played the most of. But I always played it casually until about Mortal Kombat Nine, where I really started figuring out the frame data. Um, mm. you know, all the fun stuff like that. But I'm very, uh, very knowledgeable about the, the lore of uh, the Mortal Kombat universe. So, And um, as I guess you could say, one of the Mortal Kombat purists, that's a lot of where my problems come from with the Mortal Kombat movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't follow the lore in a lot of situations. Fair enough. Oh, boy. <laughs> you must love this film. But no, no, let's let's get into it. Let's say this right now. Um, you can jump to this timestamp, John. Uh, it, it, you'll have to put this in here. If you want to get the... the uh, um, if you want to skip the spoilers that we're about to, to, to get into. We're going to do spoiler-free at first, but, uh, oh, man, I guess I did that wrong. You can see how pa- practiced we are. We're going to start free without at- spoilers. <laughs> and then later, yes. there will be spoilers. So if you want to jump straight yeah, to spoilers... Well, <laughs> no, I'm, that's extra work for me. I'm not going to put a tan stamp. I know, I know. I'm doing it wrong. If you want to skip to Street Fighter Five, I guess. I don't know. We'll put, anyway, so this is going to be the shorter version. As we want to get into spoiler territory here very quickly, this is a lowish budget movie. Uh, compared to modern times, some of the visual effects are not that great. Uh, the characters are kind of hit and miss, both in who shows up in the films and then in their execution. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the acting is rough. Uh, this is pretty much a popcorn film. It's fun. Some of the fight scenes are enjoyable, and if you want a movie that you can kind of go turn your brain off and enjoy, um, just enjoy for having the Mortal Kombat in, the characters in there doing fatalities, there you go. That's kind of like how I view it, but like the spoiler-free version for you guys, like how do you feel about it? 
Well, I mean, I guess I would start just by asking uh, you some questions about that because you're getting into visuals. There were times, and I, I agree with you, by the way, there were times where there was a few visuals, especially ones that were probably set up for the trailer uh, that looked pretty good, you know? And then this goes into some of the blood and gore, but also the character powers mm. and stuff along those lines. Um, was was there anything that jumped out at you that was particularly jarring in terms of their, their visuals, their special effects and such that, that you were just like, oh, this is distracting me away from being able to uh, appreciate the film. Yeah, there were uh, a couple fight scenes where it was a real human versus a CG character, mm -hmm. and I thought pretty much both examples of that looked terrible. Um, this is not like Gollum in Lord of the Rings where the characters are interacting with them, and it seems like it's plausible that the suspension of disbelief is enough where it's like, okay, Gollum could be real. Uh, the two characters, the two CG characters are fighting, it's like, this is hardcore CG. This is a person versus a video game, you know, yeah. and... I just I completely checked on out on those fight scenes because I'm like uh, I, there's a gif and uh, maybe we'll put it up here I, I know we will actually of uh, Samuel L. Jackson in, in uh, Attack of the Clones um, and he's doing his lightsaber moves and it looks awful it looks awful of him fighting a green screen and so I immediately thought of that as I'm watching this and going man those poor actors what what they must have had to put up with for this I, but I mean I, I couldn't help but think back to this is gonna happen normally it, it's just this is natural we're gonna compare this back to the 1995 Mortal Kombat film and Annihilation is probably gonna come up a few times uh, deal with it. It's not to say that it needs to be that, but that's our frame of reference. Uh, Goro was in that film, and he was completely practical. He was a giant man robot suit, uh, and, and you could he was stiff. It was obvious that it was a robot, but there was something special about that. And, um, and yeah, like what you're getting at here, having certain characters just be CGI, sometimes they looked pretty good, you know, and, and usually when they're not in the midst of total action, if they're just walking in and it's the introduction, it's on the, the character select screen, so to speak, it looked all right. Uh, but, but there were times, too, where... I was, like I said earlier, distracted from, from appreciating what the movie was trying to be, from being submerged in the, the film because of what is that? Why does that look that way? Why is that moving that way? So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Did, did you have any reactions to that, Justin, one way or the other? Um, you know, I, I actually think the visual, for me personally, the visuals actually ended up being all right. Uh, I'm not really, mm -hmm. I generally, I'm very nitpicky when it comes to story stuff. I tend not to judge too much on CGI, I'm very easy to impress in terms of that stuff. So, mm -hmm. in terms of, and I, I guess I'll just go ahead and say the characters. I think you're talking about Goro and Reptile. Um, yeah, uh, they look fine to me, but. Um, it, I, uh, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're in the film. <laughs> See, that's why I did the premature spoiler thing. I knew we 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 couldn't keep the the wall yeah. up from on. We're we're in the spoiler <laughs> territory now. We'll go back and and mention it. But yeah, spoilers. Uh, Goro and Reptile are in the film. They they fight. Well, Goro yeah, is in so the trailer, and I think things okay, that are in the trailer, enough. I think that's fair to go. And, and but anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I said Goro because yeah, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, there's also a lot of emphasis on, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of hard to talk about the Mortal Kombat movie without talking about the protagonist of the movie, who's, you know, this Cole Young fellow. And, um, you know, <laughs> he's a brand new character to the Mortal Kombat movie. And um, it's hard to say if anybody really likes him right now. Um, well, they definitely no, need No, I like him. Okay. 
Well, <laughs> they definitely needed yep. another character because there were not enough characters in this film uh, to to, yeah. to get to and to expand upon or to leave completely oh, off to the side up. or to just, you know, have pop in a little fan service and then murder them gruesomely. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do want to get into those particulars. But before we jump into more of like the characters and the story and, and things along those lines, um, I, I do want to talk about... Well, let's. Can we get into the fighting really quick? Because Hell yeah. fighting in these. Uh, okay, so I kind of feel like martial arts films tend to be something like musicals, in that you're going to have story, 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 and then you'll stop everything for a moment to uh, do this artistic expression, right? This uh, song and dance, and in this case, just you know, dance without the song, and there's some blood and some gore and whatnot. But there, there's a. It's a different way of telling the story because you're stopping the action to do this kind of artistic thing, and the the fights that that. Come come out of certain films, they usually have some kind of a personality and identity, uh, some threads that run through them. And that comes from the editing, it comes from the actors, the choreography, um, and, and a lot of it comes from the sound effects and, and um, you know, the cinematography. So the, the people that are doing these are usually consistent throughout a film, and so that's why it gives it a personality. And I go back to the first Mortal Kombat film, I, I mean, I watched this a lot as a kid, and I used to kind of reimagine certain like fight scenes from movies and such, and I think I did a lot of WWE wrestling, but the Mortal Kombat film was one that I used to go creatively as a kid and like replay the fight scenes in my mind and kind of add to them and, and expand on them. And I gotta say, that the the what came out of that was for me one of the the best not necessarily the best that any movie's ever done in terms of the way that you do fights but the the punches and the kicks that landed it mattered a lot you know and and it felt like you know when reptile lands a, a double round a roundhouse kick on Liu Kang or when scorpion gets thrown by Johnny Cage and his shins land on like a a wooden beam and you just go oh that hurt mm -hmm. you could almost follow some metaphor or some like hypothetical character life bars above these characters heads and it, and it was like this whole progression towards okay once someone gets beat up enough the, the stunt work the, the stunt work, the acting, everything, the fight scenes, you felt them. They had real weight and momentum on them. They got real fighters to go and do that stuff. And I believe, was it Robin Shaw, the guy who played Liu Kang? I think he broke a rib or something. Or and they kept the take in the reptile fight. It's a slow motion reptile throws him into this pillar in the middle of the room. And it's like, and I can hear it vividly while the badass reptile music theme is playing. And that might be the second best song in that movie. Uh, <laughs> yes, there was. You, there, there's a real fight scenes are ec extremely important to a fighting game. Absolutely, it, and it, you you feel the weight in those original scenes. It's a, it was Shang Tsung sitting on the beach and stuff like that, and that that all the fight scenes they have real weight and momentum behind them. And uh, people who don't love fighting games may not appreciate those fight scenes, but those fight scenes in the original Mortal Kombat they're great. Like, and it's like I remember having arguments with my friends about which fight scene was better. Oh yeah, uh, but Justin, back over to you. Like, did you feel the fight scenes in this movie held up with the original Mortal Kombat? Almost. Um, I would say, so for the original movies, you know, kind of like you said, you really like felt the, the scenes. And uh, I think a really big part of those, uh, the first movies, um, um, you know, they lasted a long time. With these, uh, with this latest movie, uh, the fight scenes, most of them lasted for about a minute. And then uh, one of the, one of the fighters ended up, uh, ended up suffering from a fatality and the fatalities were really good but mm -hmm. um it, it seemed like 
the fights are really good, and um, from what I understand, they actually got like really good like martial artists to perform. You know, as some of these actors, like uh, I specifically remember hearing about the guy who's actually playing Sub Zero. They actually had to tell him to slow down because the cameras couldn't really keep up with him. And I think that's something similar <laughs> to um, it's either Bruce Lee or Jet Lee. They had to tell him the same thing. Um, but mm-hmm. um, apparently, you know, was- really, what, what's that? I was just saying that's Joe Taslim, and he's okay. yeah, he he was pretty badass, and one yeah. of the strongest uh, fighters in all of the movie, I will say. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, uh, to, to clarify for people, because you might think Shang Tsung's the main bad guy in this one. It's it's Sub Zero. Oh, I have something and to say, say about that with Sub Zero, and yeah, but yeah. But but Joe Taslim did an amazing job. See, I'm really dicey on some of the acting, the performances in here, but Sub-Zero is not one of them. I am so happy they made him the main bad guy in this. He does a terrific job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, dude, I hate this guy. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> if you can make me hate you as a main villain, like, you did your job. And, and it, just the fight scenes he has, uh, not only is he a great martial artist, he's a good actor. I'm like, this guy is really, I hate him. Like, I want to punch him in the face. And if I tried to, he'd kick my ass because he's like a 50th degree black. Felt, right so <laughs> but anyway um uh, justin like did you like sub-zero on this did you feel like he was a pretty damn good villain uh so i have five characters listed that i liked in this movie sub-zero is one of them he i think all right there yeah. we go so who okay if you got five characters you like then then let's let's get into who you didn't oh, like because i'm really curious and john i want you to go next who did you guys did not <laughs> like in this movie because i have someone i hated in this film and i want to see if you guys have the same person oh, no okay J- justin go first who you're who you're most hated uh, my most hated. Um, let me see. Um, I think it's probably gonna be between Cole Young or Raiden. Um, oh, that's not a bad call, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. to, uh, so let's let's let, start with Raiden. That's yeah, a little easier. Uh, there's not as much of a character there. Uh, for, t- my first reactions to Raiden was that he was kind of negative, whiny, and uh, <laughs> uh, like he was just kind of a dick. To, to a lot of the characters and didn't have that that uh, like kind of father all father presence and also well that's for story there's story stuff that's weird about him as well but yeah Raiden was annoying to me more than he was helpful or as like the benevolent leader of the good guys but what why didn't you like him so in terms of the writing of the character and I, I don't really mind the character the, the the actor behind him but I felt like this is the most incompetent version of Raiden today, and that that says something because Raiden of the Games has done some pretty stupid things, like some very <laughs> off-putting things. But this is this Raiden is hand down um, just completely incompetent because um, <clears throat> you know he's supposed to be the guardian of Earthrealm. He's supposed to be effectively making sure this Mortal Kombat tournament's you know going off without a hitch. Sang Sung, you know, he basically comes out here with, you know, all his people, basically blandly tells Raiden, I'm here to cheat. I'm here to kill I'm off. I'm cheating, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to kill off all your fighters. And Raiden's basically saying, well, you know, not interference. There's nothing I can do about it. But, you know, just stay in the safe little bubble for a while. It's like, do your job. Now, going back to the visual effects just real fast, what did you guys think of the eye effect on Raiden? Because I thought that was distractingly bad. Not bad, distractingly bad. Every time Raiden was on screen, I'm looking at his eyes and going, that's the worst CG effect I've seen on eyes, I think, ever in a modern film. Uh, did you guys notice it that? It commanded my attention for sure. I guess it didn't really register to me as, as something that was necessarily bad, uh, but but it wasn't good. I wasn't like, oh, that's a, that's a nice inclusion. It was just like, oh, Raiden has really bright 
blue eyes and I, I mean that makes sense for him but but it, it didn't do much for me and and if it was distracting to others then i would take it as a net negative um yeah maybe it might have been more distracting if uh, he was on screen more i think he only had like three or four scenes really uh so i guess i didn't really <laughs> notice it much uh, i do seem to remember gotcha. the glowing eyes that you mentioned it but it didn't really uh, turn me off or anything i mean i didn't really uh, note it at all really hmm all right, John. Who did you hate? I need to know. I who did you not like in this? I okay. So I, I wasn't a huge fan of Sonya. Um, I didn't hate her though. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I go as far as to hate her. Uh, I just thought that she 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 had she carried a lot of the of the film, like a significant portion of it. And I didn't think that she was strong enough as a character and quite as an actress to to really warrant that. So. Um, I, but that wasn't the biggest kind of transgression there. I, to me, I really didn't like what they did with Shang Tsung because mm -hmm. Shang Tsung was technically the, the bad guy of the movie, right? He's the dude that's calling the shots and such, but they almost didn't qualify him and give him the status of big bad guy at all, except for in his name and then the implications that you would know if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, which, by the way, uh, I, I, I just got to say, this film is made for Mortal Kombat fans and people that know the lore, but if you don't know it, you're lost <laughs> so much of the time. Like, I, I would just imagine, I was because I, I, I watched it with Brittany, my fiance, and I, I even went into it a little bit like, okay, so Scorpion and Sub-Zero are these characters, and this is their history. I don't know what's exactly going to happen in the movie, but this is where we're, you know, coming off of and stuff. But I would have had to go through so many different things to fill in what I, I knew were, like, obvious gaps, and like, why is this character doing this? Why does this character hate this character? Things along those lines. Um, but anyway, with, with Shang Tsung, again, I, I do want to mention this on Shang Tsung, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something that's gonna trigger Justin. Sorry, Justin, but it's like Snoke um, in <laughs> oh. uh, what is it, the, the the ninth uh, Star Wars film, and it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna show Snoke in a tube that shows like he's a clone, and like we're gonna show him for like three seconds, and that's your explanation. With Shang Tsung, they show him like on a throne, and everyone's approaching him, and so you realize he's like the main bad guy, but that. It's, it's like such a throwaway thing. It's like, why didn't you do more with Snoke? Why didn't you do more with Shang Tsung? You have one of the best villains in the history of, of fighting games. And, and he's relegated to like this kind of like cookie cutter he's villain. He's so type. bland. Right, like he's yeah. he's like uh, just this guy that like, just the guy in a black suit or a black like kind of like uh, uh, outfit and, and a little bit of a hair thing to him. But here, think about it this way: again, 1995 Mortal Kombat. It opens up. Shang Tsung brutally murders like a 15 year old kid, including stepping on his spine and breaking his back before melting his own face off in what I <laughs> was terrifying to me as a kid. That for between the ages of like six and 10 was the scariest thing in the world to me was that face melt which he uses to then suck the 15 year old's lifeless body soul from it that's how we meet him the say rest... the line john don't don't forget the line say the line what your brother's your soul, soul is mine, is mine. <laughs> yeah and he like looks at the key he's like Liu kang he's like your brother's soul is mine <laughs> it's just you've got to do you that, that ham next yes Yes. So so we we're introduced, and then the rest of the film, Shang Tsung is seen kind of just sitting there smirking, and people he says a little bit of a, a you know Scorpion and Sub Zero, you badass fighters, do this for me, and they do it, and you know why they do it because this is a monster who then you know he's shown his his potential, and now he can just sit back, and we're afraid of him, and when they go into the final fight, you're feeling like dude, this guy is way more powerful than our good guys. It's scary. It's anxiety driving. 
saying this is a a monster, a battle to overcome. You, it's he's qualified as the villain of the story. In this one, he's just it's like you better know who Shang Tsung is because here he is, and the bad guys listen to him. But there's I'm not afraid of him. And at one point, he does do a fatality, but it's like so not earned. And otherwise, he's just like I'm a cheaty cheater. And I yeah, he was very distracting. So I, I as I think about it, I think Shang Tsung was my least favorite character. That might change throughout our discussion here, but off the top of my head, I did not like Shang. Yeah, I didn't like Shang. Uh, I hated Sonya the most because she's one of the lead characters in this film. And look, I'm watching this film to enjoy the characters. These are the iconic Mortal Kombat characters coming to life on the big screen, our small screen or however you're watching on HBO and stuff like that. This is really important, and this is one of your central characters. And I love the original cast. Uh, Shang Tsung, uh, Liu Kang, uh, uh, Robin Shao, um, uh, Ashby. Lyndon uh, Ashby. I'm... Bridget Linda Wilson. Ashby, thank you. Bridget Wilson. Yeah, they all had charisma with their characters. You cared about all of those original characters. They're the foremost central characters, and all the other characters, like, they had their parts to play, but you cared about if Liu Kang died, and he, as you talk about that fight against Shang Tsung, it's like, oh, he's going to die, he's going to lose. Sonya Blade never had that charisma going. She never had that, and I actually do like Cole Young in this movie, um, but I hated Sonya, and I hated, like, Raiden and Shang Tsung. Like, it's just, these are iconic characters that you guys are trying to, like, squeeze in here, and they're not letting either your actors do a good job, or the dialogue's not well written, or something is wrong, where they're not having a chance to shine. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, even in the first movie, Raiden is kind of like, he's sporadically in it, right? Uh, Christopher Lambert. He, but he has his times to shine. He like laughs at his characters like after he like sets him up for like you guys are probably all going to die. <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, sorry. You know, and that's great. It's it's like it's like oh, he delivered it perfectly. Like we need that. And it's not that Raiden's in the entire movie top to bottom. He's sporadically in it, but he shines there. And it's like the. It just uh, most of the actors did not shine in this one. No, they so were very cookie cutter. And, and part of that, I, I'm not so willing to say it was the actor's uh, fault most of the time. That could be part of it. I think a lot of it was the writing. A lot of it was just kind of yeah. cookie cutter writing where, you know, like, this character, a lot of Jax's lines, especially early on as he's sort of instructing Cole. It's like, no, Cole, you're actually a hero that doesn't realize it. <laughs> and you're going to go on this journey and have a character arc. And by the end, you will have... Of, you know come to, to balance and you'll be able to beat the bad guys and it's like it's that's not a quote from the movie but it might as well be at certain points yeah. because it was so on the nose and obvious that like what they were trying to do with that um i, I want to ask you though justin because cole has been uh, obviously a very hot hotly uh debated and 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 a big focal point for the movie uh what did you th- not like about cole and and i'll say also specifically uh we're definitely into spoiler territory here because i think some of the things you want to talk about with cole are going to be heavily tied to the the film story so what was your uh what was your beef with cole so i probably overplayed um my hatred for cole. I, you know i actually don't hate cole uh, i think now I think about Raiden's probably my least favorite, but in terms of Cole, you know, he's an original new character, so, you know, I went into the movie uh, thinking, um, you know, I want to like him, so I, you know, I'm still trying to give him a chance, but the thing about, you know, if you have someone like that as a the protagonist of, like, a video game story, he has to be able to offer something that... You know, so an already established character doesn't already establish. Um, Dude, he already, offers uh, uppercuts. That's what he yeah, offers. Yeah. <laughs> Do your uppercut. Co- oh my gosh, that was cringy to me. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think actually uh, on that note, uh, I do think there is a bit of like a gag, just like um, uh, casual play with um, 
uh, jokes about the sweeping and the. I the I was class. not going to let this go by without bringing that up. There is for those that didn't play or don't remember, uh, you could do sweeps on repeat, and it was especially effective against the computer. So that tended to be and it's people that didn't know how to play. And uh, when Liu Kang and Kano first meet, they do this gag where Liu Kang sweeps Kano, and then he gets up and he just sweeps him again. Um, it actually didn't even register to me the first time I watched it because it's been so long, and I did a hell of sweeps. Try to do it in Street Fighter as well, but it's a little different there. Um, but like those were there, there were plenty of those kinds of little peppering ins of, of references directly to the films, but also to the culture of the films. And I got to say, that's one of the things that made the the movie fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. in, in but you were saying, like, in terms of like casual play, like uppercuts and um, sweeps. I mean, those are like the best moves in the game. Sweeps might as well be unblockables to someone who doesn't really <laughs> play the game very well. And that's a basically lot what of happened. frustration. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, you saw the frustration in Kano. That's basically the casual player at heart, right there. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to Cole. Um, you know, my issue with him, he's he has to be able to establish, establish something to the story that a character that isn't already part of the Mortal Kombat universe uh, does already offer. And to some extent, he does do that, where he's basically fighting for his family, right? But I feel like that's very much lowering the stakes a bit, because um, you're not necessarily... Fi- I mean, you're fighting for Earthrealm. You know, you're fighting for everybody's families. You know? So it's kind of like a lowered... Um, you know, the stakes it- just feel lower, because every time we're... We're seeing his family, which, you know, I feel like you don't really get a lot of time to see them. Um, it feels like we could be seeing something else about, like, you know, the danger of, like, you know, what Shao Kahn could do with Earthrealm or, you know. Sure. Yeah, the, the stakes never felt that high for him as an individual character, right? And, and I would juxtapose that with how things felt for Hanzo, Scorpion, at the beginning of the film with his family being attacked and what that felt like and the reactions to it and seeing him react to it. Like, that was, I think, maybe the best part of the film or at least the, the Hanzo versus Bihan storyline, which is basically just bookended, uh, you know, at the beginning and at the end and then there's not much in the middle there. Uh, but, like, you really cared about that. And, and admit the stakes weren't technically as high. They weren't fighting for Mortal Kombat and the entire Earth at that point. It was just for this one guy's family. Uh, but you cared, and you you could sympathize, and you could get behind the character and feel what he was feeling. And with Cole, yeah, it was just kind of... Uh, it was, well, it was tied in, 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 in such a convoluted story otherwise with all these different things and all this stuff that they were trying to stuff in there with characters and references and such, but it just kind of got lost. And with him having to be the focal point or like kind of the main anchor of things in, in a certain way, the lead character, I don't think it felt like it was done justice. I, I want to add two things on this because I, I think that uh, Hiro, Hiro, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, there we go, I got his name out, my apologies there, that's Scorpion, the actor who plays him, he's a really good actor. Uh, uh, him and Sub-Zero, again, are good actors and martial artists on top of it. Now, Scorpion's got a lot less screen time here and less to work with, and he's a much better actor than Cole Young, but he's also much older. He's much he's much more of a veteran, right? Um, now, um, Cole Young in this movie, I actually liked. I thought he was good because they got a real martial artist to do this. This guy does all of his own fight scenes, and the original fight scene that they opened up with, the, the MMA fight scene, where Cole gets his butt kicked and stuff, that's a great fight scene. There's so much hype. There's so much energy. It's two people actually fighting. It's really well mm-hmm. done, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And and so that's how come I didn't hold uh, Louis Tan, that's the actor who plays Cole Young, 
to like a really high standard because he's a young actor trying to lead an entire movie and I get why they kind of want to go young and get young stars in here because if they're going to make the 50 sequels they've talked about right they want a kind of a younger actor who's on his way up to go and lead it that's typically what these movies do is they find a young actor who they can build with and make a star mm -hmm. right and so I, I don't hold him up to the same standards as everyone else based on all that I thought he did a pretty darn good job I was I'm like I like him um, they did his family angle I, I agree that wasn't as good as scorpions but um those are all younger actors trying to make a human element in mortal Kombat that you actually care about and a brand new character that you don't have any ties to of course you're not going to like him as much because you're going to like the characters you know you're going to enjoy what you know so i mean I, I i really feel that cole young uh lewis tan is getting a bad rap for this movie i thought he did a pretty good job because it's really hard to be a lead of a major movie and pull it off and, and, and most people that are walking away from it aren't so upset at him like he ruined the movie i'm like if you didn't ruin the movie he did a decent job. Yeah, I, I don't think he ruined the movie. And in fact, I think there is potential for this to continue. And I kind of hope it does, but maybe with some slight tweaks to the writing staff, something like that. Um, but it's just, I think another big part of this is that there were so many characters packed into this and they brought in a whole new one and they didn't give uh, much time to a lot of other characters that you would hope though. You know, like Melina was yeah. a sideshow character that had like one or two lines, but basically existed to have a few fight scenes. Like that was it. Um, was and, and there were, I'm sorry? She's a jobber, just a mook, random mook. Yes, that's, yes. That's the problem with a lot of the villains, you know? <laughs> Right, and and um, so when you have so many characters and they tried to do so much with it, and, and part of that is cool because we do want to see a lot of characters, but that's, you know, when you're watching a movie, some of it is like you want to see other aspects than just the fighting with the characters because it's a film. Like, like well, maybe we can explore it and care about the fights, and then you have, you know, a character that you're like, the, the stakes are high here, I care about the outcome, so now every step of this fight is, is more important to me, and it, it you know, fills into or feeds into the overall story um, but John you mentioned Cole's first fight I actually really did appreciate that fight because it was filled with actual punches kicks and, and stuff yeah. and it wasn't just and, and I want to go back to to this a little bit Justin you mentioned that the fights happen and then they landed in they ended up in fatalities very quickly those were cool that I appreciated the gore and stuff for what it needs to be for Mortal Kombat I thought that was pretty good and such but the fights in this movie a lot of them were just uh, um, like whiffs, quick camera, uh, quick editing, like action editing, where you didn't have a whole lot of blows that were actually landed. And so many of them were just fought with weapons. So when an actual yep. blow lands, it's someone getting stabbed and either dying or, or like changing how they're going to be able to fight for the rest of this because they got this huge gash that's you know like ripped through their chest or their stomach. And so the, like the exchanges were so, it was like V-Trigger. It was... <laughs> <laughs> How does V Trigger come back into like Street Fighter Five is always gonna be in this podcast? Street but... Fighter Five ruined the Mortal Kombat film. That's your it's headline a... right there. <laughs> Their weapons often felt like it was it, nothing mattered until the weapons came into play, and then someone would pull a fatality off. But uh, again, it just most of the John, fights John, were not satisfying in that way. You're. You're 100% right, but you're burying part of the lead here. You're saying weapons, you need to say Arcana. And you need to explain to, to I'm people. I'm not just talking about the Arcana. Oh. I'm talking about how everyone had just like a knife or like a, yeah. Cole has his weird tonfas with, with uh, blades <laughs> on them and such. 
Yeah, the Arcana is like, let's, let's get into that. Okay, so um, they tried to explain why the Mortal Kombat character, why some of the Mortal Kombat characters have powers, why they can shoot fireballs. And there was a ton of time spent on this, and a lot of the film goes to it. Uh, basically, you get this Mortal Kombat tattoo that manifests on you, and that means that you're one of your realm's chosen fighters. Once you have that, you are able to then... Uh, tap into this power and see how it manifests for you. For Kano, he gets a laser eye. For Sonya, she can shoot her pink rings that are otherwise not explained at all. Uh, Liu Kang gets fire. <laughs> uh, I, I have to stop you on the Sony. Sonya gets her pink fireballs from, you know, the, the the Mortal Kombat games that she's always had, and they immediately shoot a hole into another character. Instead of just damaging them, she comes out, she's <laughs> yes. like, hey, I got Arcana now. Let me blow a freaking hole in someone. And that it's like, where's your sense of scale and damage? Yes. It's like they activated five V triggers, and it's like now you can pull a fatality off by landing a single fireball right what oh so it's like there's no rules they they just took the rules and this, like, yeah we don't really care this is i think maybe as i go through it the worst thing uh for the film overall like the the the, the biggest drawback and the biggest distraction because um if i'm trying to concisely articulate it maybe it's something like they decided to spend a lot of their time and resources on explaining why Mortal Kombat characters can do what they do. But at the same time, it was the kind of thing where if you begin to dig into it and you go, okay, so so this is this is the rules of this, this is how it works. If you start to play that out like in like, well, what if this, it falls apart so quickly. So they spend a ton of time giving you this very surface level explanation to say, this is why so-and-so can do a, a, a supernatural thing. And it's really not that good an explanation of a thing. And so where they could have been developing character personalities and storylines, it was telling this weird, not very helpful and somewhat distracting here's how you get your powers thing and then you go beyond it some of the things are like well how do the bad guys get powers and and, and really you don't you don't even need to explain it it's mortal combat people are going to be okay with your your characters being able to shoot fireballs and stuff um but like the rules of it let's go back to the original film again because i i want to talk about this because where did they explain that how shang soon got his powers He's they an otherworldly character, and you're fine with that, you know? And, it, and, and every time Shang Tsung does his powers, as far as I can remember, it was awesome. It wasn't cool. It was like, oh, it was just, this is freaking awesome, because the actor pulled it off. You don't have to explain some of this stuff unless your explanation is going to really add to what you're doing. It's like they felt the need to explain it, and it's like, why are you explaining this in such a lame way? Why is this manifesting itself where Sonya just randomly shoots someone to, to pieces? <laughs> Kano's laser eye is one of the dumbest oh. looking things I've seen. It, okay, Justin, yeah. what do you think of Kano's laser Yeah, that's basically the only complaint I have about Kano. He is one of the characters I liked. The laser thing was completely idiotic. That should have just been a cybernetic, you know, that's always been, you know, Kano has a cybernetic eye, but now they've decided to turn it into his power, which, you know, if they really wanted to go the route with the Arcana, the Arcana whatever it's called, it's stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> They, for Kano, they could have given him like his Kano balls, but you know, instead they went with this laser out of one of his eyes, not both of his eyes, just one of his eyes. And like you said, it just looks stupid. Yeah. Okay. Since we're on Kano, I have to ask you guys. <laughs> I this is this is so important, and this is actually legitimately important to the plot. If you've seen the film, well, what do you guys think of Kano randomly hating garden gnomes? <laughs> He walks by a garden gnome, and he's like, you know what? I hate garden gnomes. And it's like, John, I can, what, what did you think of that? The, 
First of all, Kano was probably the most entertaining character personality-wise. I'd say Sub-Zero was the coolest fighter and the uh, the biggest like monster of the film, which was cool that they did that. Um, but Kano was a very entertaining character. You cared what he said next, and he was stealing scenes left and right with his one-liners, <laughs> his personality. Um, when, when you have Sonya, and she's supposed to be the focal point that's carrying things forward, and then you have Kano from basically the peanut gallery yelling from across the room because he's a, he's a captive um, at the beginning from Sonya, or she, he's Sonya's captive. Uh, it's like he was just stealing it away constantly, and you almost wanted Kano to kind of be more successful because he was cool and he had charisma and such. And um, so, so, but as far as the garden gnome thing, what an unceremonious death for for a character. Sonya ends up killing Kano and taking his dragon tattoo thing, and therefore garnering her powers. By stabbing him in the eye with a garden gnome that they set up earlier in the film uh, because it's outside of Sonya's trailer. Uh, she lives in a trailer. And, um, and he hawks a loogie on it. That was really gross. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just that, that felt like such a silly thing. And again, their whole fight goes, goes down and then it's decided by a garden gnome to the <laughs> eye. I didn't... Not my favorite thing. Uh, and so, so some of those decisions too were were kind of distracting to me. Uh, but I did think that Kano was probably the most entertaining character in terms of um, personality. How about you, Justin? Uh, so, I, it feels like with this movie, um, and I'll just go ahead and say that uh, I think we already mentioned this that there's actually not a tournament. They're training for a tournament that never actually happens. It feels mm-hmm. like this movie's in a lot of ways meant to be like a prequel to the Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. because uh, I think it's supposed to be like five films or five more films. Um, so it looks like they're setting up a situation where Kano eventually gets his cybernetic eye um, because, you know, he gets stabbed in the eye by a garden gnome. And, you know, that's kind of a stupid uh, backstory behind, a, you know, your cybernetic face. Is, but he's know, dead. Stab- yeah. I mean, well, they, they can bring characters back, obviously. They've done that a million times in Mortal Kombat. But he's technically dead because Sonya gets his, his tattoo. That's another part of it, by the way. If you kill someone who's a worthy defender of Earth or whatever, you get their tattoo. It also spreads through genie or through lineage. So technically, well, that should kind of be exploding and everyone should know about it. But anyways, go yeah. ahead. Well, the li- it's herpes for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's pretty much how to look at it. But I, I, I need I, to get that in the banner of the story or the thumbnail or something. It's herpes oh, for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you think you're going to get grossed out by the blood and gore? No, no, no. It's garden gnome loogies and herpes. Oh. Uh, I think in terms of like the latest thing, it's I think only Cole Young is the only confirmed character, and uh, Hanjo Hasashi are the only confirmed characters that have it through lineage. They're born with it, but everybody else, even like Liu Kang, who's, you know, he's supposed to be like this chosen one, but yeah. he got his by killing some, uh, I think he, he explained the backstory that uh, that he just killed some, um, I guess, a thief or something. I don't even remember what. Some it was. bum apparently yeah. was good enough to be a protector of Earthrealm, but, but then also Kang. got yeah. killed by you know someone else that wasn't worth. It's, it's silly. See, that's what I mean though. They spend so much time trying to establish these rules that fall apart. It's like you could have spent your efforts in other places and made the film better. But go ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, actually, let's bring up Luke King just a bit more here since we're on him. In the original film, he was great. Robin Shaw has so much uh, charisma. He he embodied who Liu Kang was. He, like he became like who we associated Liu Kang with. He was great in his in his role here. Liu Kang is very much a a back second tier character in this. Something like that, we'd say. He's like a spot um, above Molina. Yeah, you could even say like third tier, basically with where he's at. 
this is the Mortal Kombat central character, one of them. Like, like, what did you do with him? What did you guys think of how he, you could you could hear in my voice what I thought of it? I'm like, again, I like the actor who played him. I just thought the way they wrote him was pretty terrible. It's like this is Liu Kang. This is not like a sub character. This is your, the central character, and he was so important to the first film, and he was great in the first film. He wasn't good. He was great. He's I always loved been him in the, the main film. protagonist. Well, not always, always, yeah. but for much of Mortal Kombat franchise life, Liu Kang is your guy and they basically took most of what Liu Kang's character was going to be and they kind of gave it over to Cole Young where they they transitioned it and it got lost in that translation to Cole Young I think so yeah you're left with a character that's kind of like oh I, I work for Raiden and I go and I get the people and uh, you know I make the, the, the food here or whatever Like, but he, he really had secondary roles and such and he, he just wasn't well, he wasn't the character that I think a lot of fans were hoping for and expecting. Not a deal-breaker kind of thing, kind of like the Johnny Cage stuff, uh, <laughs> but but certainly underutilized. For, and again, you have so many characters. It's like Liu Kang is sitting here kind of a, as a husk of what he should have been, and you're telling me, but we had to spend time developing Cole Young. And I think that's where a lot of people are having issue. It's like, why couldn't we learn more about Liu Kang? That's what we're here for, not, not so much Cole. And stuff. <laughs> Justin, what you got on Liu Kang? What do you think of him? So, I actually like Liu Kang's character. Um, I think my biggest complaint about it is you know, he's very much downplayed. You know, He doesn't get to be the chosen one. He's not the protagonist. Like you said, many things about Liu Kang, many things that should have been about Liu Kang end up being about Cole Young. But um, I actually, you know, Liu Kang was actually one of my favorite. You know, he felt like Liu Kang to me. He was very, um, felt like a modest character, but... Um, you know, very skilled at fighting. Uh, we saw that with you know him facing off with Kano, where he just swept him three times. Um, but there's one particular scene. Um, uh, you know, uh, Liu Kang and Kung Lao were actually some of my favorite characters in this. And there was one particular scene where uh, Kung Lao had to save Liu Kang from Sub Zero, um, and he basically come, Kung Lao comes in and says, you know, he introduces himself as you know the descendant of the great Kung Lao. You know, very arrogant, but you know. Uh, Kung Lao's character that backs up his arrogance a little bit, but you can kind of see Liu Kang rolling his eyes um, in the back, hmm. and that felt, you know, that's very Liu Kang and Kung Lao's relationship. You know, they're very Shaolin you know, monks, baby. Yeah, they're Shaolin monks. They're friends, but they're also kind of rivals. But I felt like their relationship was really well defined, uh, as little yeah, as we I, saw. I, Go ahead. I think the actor who played Liu Kang did a good job with what he was given. My my big question for you now, though, and and so what Liu Kang has, I think, is well established. He does the sweep stuff on Kano. Yeah. He, he has for what he has to work with. It's good. Did he have as a Mortal Kombat fanboy, Justin? Did Liu Kang have enough here based on on his stature in the franchise? Well, yeah, I guess in terms of that, I would have liked to see a lot more from Liu Kang because I think he only he only fought Cabal and he. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of got uh, smacked around by Sub Zero for a bit before Kung Lao saved him. But yeah, uh, now you miss, now you put it like that. You know, I definitely w- would have wanted to see more from Kung, uh, Liu Kang, but mm-hmm. that's definitely on the writers, not you know, as you said, the actor. Yeah. No, Justin, you just brought up Cabal. What did you think about Cabal's visuals? <laughs> what did what did you think about that? Oh, uh, <laughs> it uh, just looked like a guy in a cardboard cardboard suit, really. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it looked, they give him red eyes. Again, the visuals really bothered me in this film. Like I, I wanted to get into him. I just couldn't. And it just, it's stuff like that really got me. Mm. Um, I, I do want to, we're coming up on time here pretty soon. And I do want to say a, a few positive things about the film and then kind of get our, maybe something out of 10, be thinking about what you guys would give this film out of 10 if you haven't already. Um, but some of the things that I, I did like about it was the, the nods and such to uh, Mortal Kombat were fun. You know, things like the sweeps, things like in the backgrounds, they're not enough to carry a film, but they were fun for those of us that did know what was going on. Um, the the blood and the gore, the fighting, like the fatality aspects, I think they did a pretty decent job there. I was sad to see when Jax fights Reiko, um, and, and they do have some awesome punching in that where it's not just like <laughs> death blows and that's it. Um, <laughs> but they fight on the pit, and they don't use the pit. Like, no one falls into the pit, which it's like, come on, dude. If you're going to fight in the pit, you throw someone in the pit. That's that's Mortal Kombat 101. Um, so, see, I immediately go back to negative. Uh, but, but I will say that uh, Sub-Zero's character was awesome. He was a monster. And not only, they, they refer to him as It. You know, a couple of times because he's like seemingly like undead or something. Uh, when he and Jax face off, that was badass. He like walks in a mist into his basically makes an ice kind of fortress. Jax has to go through it and you don't know when he's going to pop out. It's like alien, man. It's like a monster movie at that point. He's a formidable fighter. He is ruthless. You are scared of him. And, uh, and that was really cool. The development between him and Hanzo Hasashi was amazing. And I really want to see that story played out a lot more. But the bookends, like I say, of the film were really cool. Those fights were pretty epic and awesome. Uh, how we got to those fights maybe not was, wasn't as cool. But, but I did like what was happening there. It felt like that mattered a lot. And I cared about what the outcomes were there. Um, and then overall... John, you say how, how they got to the fights. I love the, how the characters would just randomly kind of teleport to where they needed to be. Like, <laughs> No sound effect, no anything. It's like, you know, Jax really needs to be right here. We're just going to kind of go ahead and have Sub-Zero teleport over. Boom, there he is. And it's like, what? How did they, they got to fight now, so they teleport. It's like, add a sound effect in there. Do something. Some justification for the teleport. It's just like, nah, he's there right now. Also got to shout out so. Kung Lao teleports in for the first time we see him using his hat yeah. and then never does it again. But eh, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Because yeah, there's a lot. You got you to stop, mm. stuff so much into the film and they spend a bunch of time doing the stupid dragon tattoos. Which, by the way, that was in Annihilation kind of differently but like that seems like they sampled from annihilation with the whole like you get killed and then your tattoo goes away or disappears or whatever but um but the, i also want to shout out the fight with jacks in sub-zero where uh jacks fires the gun in sub-zero's face and he freezes it like all the pellets and everything that was badass he breaks his arm he freezes and destroys his arms and then Jax falls like a, a story or two from there and he hits his face on it was a brutal awesome sequence where you're like Jax is close to death that mattered a lot uh that was gnarly um so so i really like sub-zero no, no. sub-zero okay so i have to put sub-zero on blaster he's an assassin his job is to kill people <laughs> and you just said it yourself john it's like like sub-zero is like well he's close to death i did my job is this he does the same thing to scorpion you're an assassin you kill people you make sure the job is done he does the freaking austin powers i'm just gonna put them in an easily escapable situation and assume everything went to plan what you know it's like what you kill people you're like akuma you can't kill anyone you're like you're the weakest character like but no i sub-zero is great in this but it just cracks me up at like the movie cliches 
years of like, oh, I'm about to kill someone. Kind of. Uh, you're kind of dead. That's good enough. <laughs> On this track, too, uh, the way I, I can't I can't go through this without talking about Jax's arms. Have you guys seen no. Scary Movie 2 where the butler has his little, like, his little, like, yes. decrepit hand and like, save you with yes. my little arm. Jax gets the monks or the, the, the workers at Raiden's desert hideout thing apparently have magical metallic technology and they give him these little dinky arms and then eventually as he manifests his arcana that develops them into big Jack's arms and he can use them later but those little dinky arms were the the funniest dumbest and distracting things man that that was that didn't make sense and then it was just goofy so I, I gotta hate yeah. that too but anyways uh, it's an hour and 50 minutes the, the opening is really strong. The ending is decent. Um, but as a Mortal Kombat fan, I was entertained. I wasn't like, oh, looking at my watch the whole time. And that's that's good. There was enough in it that even though it couldn't be distracting, even though it didn't like necessarily hold together with a story and there were questions, it, like you said, John, it was a popcorn film. And it was entertaining throughout. There were some cool visuals. There was some cool blood. Uh, the story made enough sense that you were invested. The one-liners were fun. It, it kept me interested long enough. And, and it was enough flashy you know, colors and lights and stuff. Except for an outworld outworld was super lame but whatever um that that i was i was held to it and i and i watched it through and by the end of it i wasn't like thank you finally um but what were you guys like by the end of it did you feel the same way or were you just was it dragging on for you no i'll, I'll go and go next um i i okay look this movie had a 55 million dollar budget that's about one-fourth of what marvel had for black panther and that was a few years back um, this is not on the same level as a Marvel film for its visuals and other stuff. Like, it's not even close. So you get one-fourth of the budget, you're going to get one-fourth of the special effects and other stuff. I've dogged those pretty hard. And so justifying it from the budget they had and other stuff, like, I still felt the film was a bit too ambitious. It's like, you don't need that fight scene with Goro shot that exact way. You could make it look a lot better. You could make the fight scene with Reptile look better. You could make a lot of other things look better and not look as bad as it did if you realize what your budget is and then make your action based on that. Um, it, it's just, we know like the original film, like you could shoot things in certain ways, like Goro's an animatronic puppet basically. And he was shot cool enough where it's like, yeah, he's not real, but he looks, he looks tangible. Like there's a, there's enough weight behind what he's doing. Uh, the, the, you know, the CG reptile and a, bu a bunch of other stuff does not hold up very well. Shao Kahn on top of the mountain does not hold up well. There's a bunch of problems with it, but at, this one felt distractingly bad with some of the visuals for me. Mm -hmm. And if this was a TV show, I would not have minded it as much. But for a movie, it felt pretty underwhelming for me. And so, John, where you were saying you weren't like looking at the clock and other stuff and kind of waiting for it to end. I got like I loved the, the beginning of the movie and the middle of it fell apart pretty heavily for me. And then the end of the movie I thought was really good. Uh, and this is pretty much all the scenes with like Sub-Zero where he gets to shine. It's like I loved all those scenes. Right. And there were other things. It's like I want to watch the characters come to life. I want to watch Liu Kang come to life. I want to watch Kano be awesome. And he was good in this movie. But I don't want to watch Sonya suck for half the film. <laughs> um, it, there's a bunch of other stuff. So I would not recommend this film. I, I give it a five out of ten. It's like if you if you want to spend the 15 bucks and get HBO uh, and you know and get it for a month to watch this and Wonder Woman and all the other crap on there cool but uh, HBO sponsor us please because I'm definitely <laughs> hyping up your stuff <laughs> but anyway Snyder cut um, yeah, um, but uh, I, I I'm like I really think you can skip this one and I don't think you're missing anything mm. you know you mentioned really quick uh, they like maybe if it was done in the television show format 
if they made this into a TV show where it had plenty of time to explore these characters, to follow Hanzo, yeah. to explain yeah. some of this stuff, oh, there is so much potential here. A Mortal Kombat yes. universe that there it's set up it's it's, it's so yeah. there and, and for that, that matter you know better. you might even be able to yeah. do that with street fighter too especially as they're maybe cinching up their their storytelling and timelines and stuff but um yeah the, there was for a two-hour movie there was like 16 hours worth of potential here and you just you know you got to cut it down so maybe if they have a snyder cut version of this that might be better um and then i'll just say that i gave it a 6.5 out of 10 um i'd say yeah you could watch it don't expect a lot out of it and don't probably don't watch it if you don't know the the source material but if you do it's fun for like oh yeah cool but watching it through the second time i wasn't like excited to do so i wasn't like oh yeah i'm gonna watch this again i was like i gotta watch it again i'm gonna watch it in chunks because i don't want to give it a whole two hours um what, what, what did you think justin uh well you know most of what i've already mentioned is like the plot was you know very uh, annoyingly bad especially with like the arcana the arcana the dragon tattoos i, I hated that part absolutely um mm. The fight scenes were too short, although some of them were really good. Uh, and the beginning was really good. That's definitely a very good backstory for, um, you know, Scorpion. And um, but in terms of like you know, like little nitpicky things that kept bothering me, it's like people were just doing like stupid things. Um, like Raiden in particular is like a prime example of that. Uh, the visuals didn't really bother me that much. I actually kind of liked how Goro looked, but maybe I should take another look at it based on what John's saying. Um, yeah, it just uh, it seemed like, you know, I was hoping for the tournament. You know, I wanted the Mortal Kombat tournament, and we just got, uh, you know, training montage and uh, Shang Tsung trying to cheat and Raiden doing nothing about it. Um, and, you know, not a lot happened, honestly. It's uh, very disappointing in that respect. And there wasn't enough time for Scorpion. I wanted to see more one-on-one time with Scorpion and uh, Sub-Zero, but... Uh, they had to throw Cole in the mix too, so it ended up being like a uh, a two versus one for one of the fights. So uh, I thought you when know, he wasn't punching the ice around his, f- that was so stupid. By the yeah. way, too, that took away from that fight. But I'm, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I, I also find it kind of weird how you know obviously Sub Zero taking his family hostage is supposed to be like a parallel to what happened to Hanzo, but mm-hmm. he um, Sub Zero killed. Uh, Hanzo's family like immediately but he let them alive like <laughs> Sub-Zero's become really in- if, uh, as John pointed out he's become really ineffective as an assassin past one in epic guard what's gonna go wrong <laughs> yeah he, he never killed anybody uh, in the movie aside, outside the beginning and you know maybe Quan Chi actually killed his family uh, because they didn't even show that so uh, <laughs> it wasn't even Sub-Zero he just left him and yeah. then Quan Chi shows up and <laughs> well, for those that don't know really quick in Mortal Kombat 4 they retconned the story to say that Quan Chi was the one that killed Scorpion's family instead of Sub-Zero uh, so that, I mean whatever it's just gone from there but maybe he just he just showed up and did it himself that's funny yeah. I mean it feels time like time travel people it's coming he's coming to Street Fighter we got time travel <laughs> yeah, sorry Justin <laughs> it, it feels like they're, they were kind of setting up for that because uh, Sub-Zero they kind of showed that Sub-Zero's M.O. is, you know, he did kill Cole's family, but, you know, he killed Hanzo, so, uh, I don't know. And, uh, uh, there's, there's so many, like, nitpicky things, that, that, and for me, the movie always has to be about the plot. The plot fell apart hard, so I have to give it between, like, a six or a seven, at best. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. Um, would you recommend it, and would you watch another one if they make a sequel? Uh, I'm willing to give them another chance if they clean up the writing. 
Um, I'm, I'm not like at Star Wars point, yeah. <laughs> Where I can only watch, I, I can't even watch the last one. Um, I'm willing to give it another chance, but in terms of recommendation, um, no. <laughs> no, I don't think I can recommend it. <laughs> and John, it. would you watch the next one? And you wouldn't recommend it, you said, but would you watch another one if they made another one? I would watch it for the Event Hubs podcast. I would do it for the people. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, I'm going to watch it because it's like I, there's very few fighting game things that are going to come up that I'm not going to watch because I love fighting games. Um, but it, am I going to really enjoy myself? Right. That's kind of the question. It's like, but anything fighting game I want to consume because it's my job. I, I love doing it. You know, it's. That's why I'm here. For sure. But as a film, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you're not waiting for the next one to no. come out. You're not looking no. at it's a, for films. I like stuff like with really good actors and really good writing and other stuff. And um, it, this does not. Meet I like movies that are good, that have good actors, good stories, good execution that are good. <laughs> yes. What are you saying about this one, John? Um, yeah. Thumbs down. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to Justin for taking the time to jump on today and uh, and talk with us about the Mortal Kombat film. Uh, anything else that you guys wanted to say before we wrap this part up? I'm good. Watch the first Mortal Kombat film. Get rid of Sonya, please. <laughs> yeah, I think I said about everything I wanted to say about this movie. So. <laughs> right on. Well, we'll probably put some kind of weird transition here, uh, and Justin's going to leave. So. All right. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me. All right, so we wanted to get into talking about the bottom three characters right now in Street Fighter V. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to be clear with this, that, that just because we call a character bad, it does not mean they're, that they're not worth playing. Uh, some people are saying right now that Rose is trashed here. Um, and I'm still playing her and having a blast. I don't agree with that, but some people think she's that bad, right? And it's just your and I's opinion on, on who the worst characters are right now. Um, on that note, really quick, there's yeah. always a reaction like this to characters when they come out. And uh, I mean, there, there's a certain, there's different scenarios, right? Like sometimes a character is way better than people, you know, realize at first and vice versa and such. But I've seen it so many times and, and there's a place for hot takes, absolutely. But it's, to say it with all that much confidence and just conclusive, like, oh, this character is obviously bad. It's like, man, I mean, maybe if you're someone like Luffy, you have that kind of authority that I'm going to start to listen to you. But even then, man, it's like, how, how would you know this this early on? Um, and when you haven't seen the crazy tech that Sokka is going to come out with and, and play people like that. But um, I, I am very much of, of the mind to not be too judgmental and just kind of like, all right, here's the information thus far. It's still an evolving beast and you couldn't possibly have this that much of a conclusion this early on. Yeah, it, what matters if you're playing this game for yourself is that uh, you're enjoying the character you're playing. If, unless you're trying to win tournaments, the, the bottom three characters that John and I are going to list here, you know, you, you probably want to avoid them then, you know, but unless unless that's your goal, and for most people that's not their goal, right? Just go and have fun. And so it, it's... it's um, Okay, so there's a few people out there that are winning with some of the characters we're going to name and like, you know, so Punk can do it, but that's also, that's the player, that's not the character doing the work. You know, I, like Punk can win with most of the characters on the cast because he's just that freaking Well, and can he right? win tournaments where his competition are fellow pros or can he Probably go and, not. you know, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Wednesday Night Fights is not, it's not, that's not nothing for sure. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the caliber of, of competition is like currently versus what it was like for me because i haven't been participating in the in the online wednesday night fights and what it is now but i could still pretty confidently say that the top eight of the cpc event is going to be different than a wednesday night fights tournament or something like that or 
NLBC, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. So, all right. So let's get into it. Uh, my number one character that I had is Nash. Mm-hmm. Um, Nash was bad in prior years, and it feels like Capcom did extremely little for him overall this time around. He got a three-frame normal. That's great. Uh, but from there, he got a mixed bag of of improvements, mostly buffs, but a few nerfs actually surprisingly thrown in. And when you have a character who's bottom tier, you pretty much have to 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 do what they did to Ryu to make them relevant again. And that did not happen with Nash. He's bad. Like he was bad in prior years. And, and I'm so I'm not sure if he's the worst character in the game, but he's probably bottom two if you ask me. Hmm. I think he's he's really close to it. Um so a couple things is, is that, that Nash already had an invincible teleport. Uh or actually you no know, before I get into that, John do you have Nash on your list, and what do you think? I do have Nash on my list. Um, now, I'm coming from a place where I tend to have a little bit of a problem fighting Nash. Like, the, the, he'll be one that breaks my win streaks when I get, like, oh, 10, 15 games, and the Nash player pops up, and and, uh, and that sometimes is my kryptonite. That said, though, I can see the evolution of the character and the way he's been played, the way the community has handled him and reacted to him, and uh, he was, at one point, maybe the best character in the game. He won Evo. He won won like 16 different Capcom Pro Tour events in a row when Infiltration and a handful of others were using him. Uh, L.I. Joe took Nash into the top eight of Evo and back in 2016. Uh, and I and I got to go, okay, so what's the difference between what Nash had then and, and why isn't he anything like that character now? Um, and I don't know if we want to dig in that far this early on, but... Um, oh, no, go for it. Well, you hit it, man. So, so a huge part of it was that uh, that was when there was eight frames or nearly eight frames of input lag, and the game was in a very, very different place. And Nash could have this, uh, his his movements were very hidden. Um, his forward dash was incredibly fast, and it looked like the animation of it was, was very similar to just him doing a regular duck. So there was almost no way of prediction. Um, in, or, I mean, it was all prediction, no reaction to being able to um, stop him from basically maneuvering about the screen how he wanted. And, um, and the same thing goes with like his fireballs. The, the uh, startup of them are, is very long, but the recovery is very fast. So you got to beat him on the, on the startup. When you're playing a game where you can't do much in the way of reaction, like that's, that's a pretty good tool. And we saw that that was good. Like you could, you could play Nash and zip about the screen and kind of do whatever you wanted and people couldn't contest you very effectively. You put that into the hands of someone like Infiltration or, or even someone like L.I. Joe, not to knock him, he's not Infiltration, but I mean, you know, that's top eight of Evo. And and so it's like the the character was was strong then and then the game evolved and changed and moved further and further away from that he never had a very good v trigger um still really doesn't and the things that are good in this game uh now like being able to play footsies having really strong rushdown or having amazing uh zoning nash is lukewarm across the board in all of those and so uh, generally speaking, I see him as a very lukewarm character that just can't resort to any one thing and do it well enough to be good. You know, some characters have very obvious weaknesses, but then like they've got this one thing that they can really, you know, base themselves around. Nash just has like a eh, mediocre across the board. And that just, one, that sucks in and of itself. But two, that means that you can't have parts of your arsenal sharpening other parts. You know, like if you, the more, the more juggling balls you throw at your opponent the harder it is each one individually to to for them to maintain and to deal with and nash is just like all of his juggling balls are pretty easy it's like oh is he he zoning you it's not that scary is he rushing you down it's not that scary does he have v trigger it's not that scary and so they can't enhance each other and so he just is lukewarm 
Yeah, it, Nash had an invincible teleport um, that could be used for defense or offense, so it still does it, right? Um, so V-Shift is not a big help for him. It's it's He's already got that tool, and where other characters, like, you know, uh, if you hadn't played a zoner like Guile and other stuff, you did not have a teleport, right? You've got that now. Um, it, calling V-Shift a teleport is generous, but generally speaking, it's it's kind of like one in terms of if you use it on defense, right? It, it's an invincible, you know, escape, mm -hmm. right? And, and so Nash could use this for offense and defense, and it's two bars, and, and he could always do that. And it's like, so Nash has already had that. So V-Shift, when he zones, it doesn't help him a lot. It's like, yeah, I mean, he can get to it a bar faster, but it's like, it's not changing the game a lot for him mm -hmm. so when we talk about v-shift being a positive addition for a lot of characters nash is not one of them and uh, zoning is not that great to begin with in street fighter 5 and nash is far from a traditional zoner he's often dodging in and out and doing mix-ups and other stuff for pressure like he'll zone for very short periods of times so it's mostly just for deception it's mostly like hey can i get you to do something you shouldn't um it, he's not lopping off large portions of your life by zoning like real zoners can in this game mm -hmm. So if you thought not, Nash was bad before, I, I don't see how you think this version of him is improved that much. And, and that's why a lot of people have him as the worst overall car character in the game. He sucks. Like, it, it's, and I hate saying that. And I'm not saying you can't win with the character. And shout-outs to, to me getting on a tournament stream and getting blown up by a Nash player, because that's definitely happening now. But um, I... I legitimately I feel bad for Nash fans because he's a cool character it's been a really long time since we last saw him in a Street Fighter game and he was a launch character with Street Fighter 5 and he had one terrific year and well now he's garbage mm -hmm. you know and it's like we hadn't seen this guy in the longest of times it's like damn it's like he came up and now he's gone and I mean I don't have a lot more to add to him yeah. it just it, it kind of sucks it's that you can it's pretty easy to predict Nash and even when you don't it's like well how hard is he hitting you I think of I, I kind of compare him to Bison because they both have really poor mobility with their walk speed, so they kind of rely on other things. You know, like Bison has his his uh, horizontal moving uh, scissor kicks, where he can do ex stomp, which is like one of the best moves in the game. And then his dash is actually invincible for for periods of time. Nash has a good dash, but it's relatively predictable now. And the other ways that he goes about moving are just not all that scary. He can do, you know, like axe kicks from full screen and such. Uh, but like, even when he gets in, it's like, is he that scary? When Bison gets in, it's scary. He can do something yeah. with it there. But like, again, he's lukewarm from far away. And then he gets up close. If it, it, He has to work pretty hard to get there. And if he does, he's kind of lukewarm when he's there. So... Yeah. Um, I don't know that he's the worst I, character, I will say the, but I think he's bad. The only time that I, I think Nash is really good uh, up close is when he is in V-Trigger 2. I have seen some legitimate, because his, his, he has a legitimate, very fast overhead with his V-Trigger 2, but then he loses his teleport, which is one of his best tools, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, and it's just very unfortunate. But you were saying Nash, he still feels one of the worst characters. Yeah, I can, I can, I'm not upset at putting him in the bottom three. I don't know conclusively yeah. for sure if you were able to quantify it with numbers and such, but uh, I, I have no qualms putting him down there, so... Okay, so, so we both had Nash, I'll get into my second worst, and that would be Dan. Uh, I think Dan is a pretty bad character, and a lot of people got caught up in the hype of him, right? They saw what Punk was doing, and, and a few other people were doing the character, and they're like, oh, you he's know, he's tier. He's gonna be, yeah, and it's like, nah, it's like the dust is settled, and, and we're seeing that he's pretty much balls. Um, he's definitely got some interesting stuff. Don't don't get me wrong here. I think Capcom actually did a really nice job of, of giving him compelling tools to work with. It's just that his tools don't amount to much unless he's 
not up in your face. Like, if he's up in your face, Dan is actually legitimately scary. He's got some good corner traps, and he's got a few other things going on for him. Um, and the thing about it is he falls apart pretty much everywhere else. Uh, Dan only has, uh, out of all of his uh, uh, normals, uh, his lights are, of course, plus on block like most for the most part. Um, but only his medium punches, actually, his grounded medium punches are plus on block. Uh, so everything else is negative. And it's like, once you start realizing that, you go, oh, man. Now, you know, he can make his, his Dan kicks uh, plus on block, surprisingly plus on block, the light and the EX versions. Mm -hmm. You have to do them from the, the perfect spots on, on screen. So they've got to be well spaced. If not, they're very negative. And so where Dan has got to do all this work and like, you know, even his EX has to be spaced correctly. It's like, well, Barog just does his EX at any point in time, same with Bison, and they're plus one, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so it's not like Dan doesn't have stuff. He has stuff. You just have to work harder to use it. And then also, once you know what Dan's stuff is, it's much easier yes. to counter him. You put this and character so, under a microscope, and if you took him into the lab and you look at the frame data in these situations, like if you're serious and you want to beat him, you know, you lose to a Dan, and you're like, oh, that move sucked for me. You put it under the microscope, and you see it's like, oh, there's this answer, this answer, this answer. And even if you're wrong sometimes, and you're going to be, uh, the, the amount of times that you're going to be right and it's going to pay off for Dan, like I think that equation adds up to uh, it's not very good for Dan more often than not. Yeah. Now, being able to cancel his moves into each other, like his normals into each other with, with V-Skill 2, that's really good. That is that is unique to Dan, and that is quite good, but they're, they're stubby, and they have a slow startup. It, as I just mentioned, they're particularly negative on block, and it's like once you know that his stand heavy punch is negative too, it's like, oh, that's not that scary. It's like I can just walk right back up in his face, you know, and, and pressure <laughs> him with my stuff. and. It's Dan's going to get by and, and how many people are going to lab this matchup at a high level. We've seen it with Alex. Alex has been around for a long time. People still have not labbed him at a high level. Oh, we saw it with Mika when her standing medium punch was was made negative and you couldn't, you know, once you block that, you're like, you can do whatever you want after that. She can't do it again, but we're all so afraid of Mika stuff and what we have been that still that she'd get away with that constantly. You know, Akuma standing yep. medium kick. It's like, well, now it's not as good as it was, but he was still getting away with it. So, uh, and I'm guilty of this too sometimes. Uh, that you know you don't do enough research and characters feel a lot stronger and actually that's going to be a point in the next character that i bring up um but but yeah like one like again you put him under the microscope you take him into the training lab and you can see how he falls apart and even if to the degree that he falls apart it's like compared to other characters with with similar abilities and similar like perks and stuff it just it adds up to being not that much when you really see it for what it is yeah, we're probably not going to see um, more than a handful of damn players making a real impact with him in tournament. We saw it in Street Fighter 4. I think we'll see it again in this. I think he's good enough to get a few upset wins. Um, and I don't think he's going to win a bunch of notable tournament matches. So we saw him in the CPT in top eight. I, I think, uh, what is it? It is Zan who pulled him out and just lost with him. You know, it's like it's he tried to do some shenanigans and other stuff. And most people have spent, if you're a pro level player, it's what they're doing with Rose right now. They spend a week or two with these characters just playing them to do stuff. And it's like, so when they face him in tournament, they're, they're prepared. They're ready to go. So it's hard to sneak by a pro at this mm -hmm. day and age. John and I are not pros here. Uh, we played a decent level. But we're not pros. We're not spending a week or two with every single character and getting that good yeah. right uh that's what you you see you know your cns brian f and and all the other wonderful players Sako. that you you do that you spend that time with them so anyway 
yeah, it, it's I, I'm I'm very happy with where Dan is at. He's supposed to be one of the worst characters in the game. He could steamroll you. You know, that's a Street Fighter V special, right? Where if you get offensive momentum, you get someone in the corner, you can wipe someone out. That makes people think that characters are better than they are. They just don't realize that a, a really strong player is not going to give you too many opportunities to get that steamroll on, mm -hmm. right? They're going to just really wall you off. They're going to play defense. They're not going to let you do your, you know, plus down Kakus from the, the right ranges right they're going to stop all that kind of stuff so anyway i, I feel dan ended up in a pretty good spot I, I didn't ask you john do you have him on your list i do have not? i do have him on my okay. list and, and one you of the other ways of, of thinking about uh dan would be that you know if you think about the way capcom balances certain characters and like uh, like what vega was at for so long he's like low tier and they're like we got to bring him up but we don't you know they're they're trying to i think it's pretty obvious they're trying to make the character a little bit better and such they designed Dan with a kind of a different perspective in mind, right? As a joke character, they want to make him fun, interesting, but also jokingly not that good. And so they design his moves, and they, I don't know exactly how they would approach doing it, but I imagine like they'll design a character and they'll have, you know, he'll be XYZ so good, probably not that great to begin with, right? Um, but where they have a hard time making bad characters viable, they're actually going the other direction. Then they're like, okay, so then how do we go about making Dan's moves, uh, a handful of them, obviously not as good as similar ones, right? Like we'll make his V-Trigger one bar, but we'll make like, you know, the cancels or the, the, the frame data on things obviously bad. And if Capcom is like, you know, has a hard time making characters better, how what what are the chances for a character that they're intentionally taking things away from after they give them this base you know toolkit? So it's like that that right there is already enough of an argument for me to say it's probably one of the worst, if not the worst, characters in the game. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. All right, you got anything more on Dan before we move on? Because I mean, it's just you know obvious obvious pick is obvious you know at, at a certain point, but we do have to talk about Dan because he's brand new, yep. right? So uh, all right, so who do you got as your third and final character? I have a third and final character, but I also have a character that I want to um, discuss as, as just like it's, mention, she's though. interesting and uh, maybe I change my mind, but at the very least, she'd be interesting to talk about. But the my final character was Fong. Was it yours? Fong yeah. is your final character? Yeah. yeah, and that was not mine. Oh, okay. Well, okay, so I'll say yeah. the Fong. Um, Fong is one of those characters that, uh, again, for those of us that have not labbed him, he is terrifying to run into, right? It's like, I don't know how to fight him, and I just feel like he's always plus, and, and you can very easily get stuck playing Fong's game of, like, trying to get in from that medium range or, like, allowing him to set up his traps or not knowing when in his strings to push something. Um, but all that said... One, Shen, a, a player that made Gen, like that, that revealed to the community what Gen was back in Street Fighter 4, essentially tried to do that with Fong and was unsuccessful for years. That's a big tell for me to begin with. And nobody else has really made him work that well. You're going to have character specialists that are really good with anybody, and especially when, they, when others do not have much experience you're going to get higher win rates, and that makes total sense. But he, you don't see Fong at high levels. And then his weaknesses as a character who has something special, the damage over time poison that you know Capcom's afraid of and they've been afraid of since day one because that's so different than everything else, they purposefully have been tweaking it down and kind of making a ceiling out of it because they're, I think they're afraid of it because it could easily break the character in the other direction and they would like to err on the side of not making this basically just Fong Fighter 4. It's one thing to have him exist somewhere near the bottom of the tier list. It's another thing to make him the best character in the game and then it's like, well, now everything's just going to be based around Fong competitively and you 
probably just don't want to see that. So uh, it makes like his his history tells me one thing. His um, his basic design and Capcom's sort of relationship developmentally with him uh, is another. And then a lot of the stuff that he does, it's like his his the things that are good in Street Fighter V. He just doesn't have a lot of his V triggers are not amazing. You know uh, his uh, the the nerf to when you're in airborne state and juggle with his fly like that's gonna hurt Fong for sure you know and and there's just a bunch of little things about him that don't add up to much so with his track record um, his uniqueness and what I know is good in Street Fighter Five specifically I just don't see Fong getting the job done yeah I I think he's a pretty bad character still in this I mean history again shows that uh, I will shout out Vega Patch and there's another gentleman um, um, in Europe that plays Fong, and they play him at a super high level. Uh, we also have Mono over here in the um, Americas uh, who plays him at a really high level. There's a handful of just super great Fong players um, that there's like five, you know, and, and they play him at this like great level. But, uh, you know, if, if you I'm not going to make a huge case that, that that Fong is not in the bottom three because like he's probably bottom five, bottom ten. I mean he's he's close to he's close to this. I personally didn't have him there because I think he's a little bit better than some of the other characters, but not much. So um, I don't unfortunately have a lot of great things to say about Fong because he hasn't. I, there's people who play him at a really high level, like we see with Vega and other stuff, but we just never see any real damage done in tournaments consistently. Every now and again, these players will pop up, and it's like, yeah, there. That that is the player doing the work. That's not the character doing the work. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, and again, I'm not advocating for everyone picking a top tier. I love to see the Fong players up there too. Uh, there's a great history of doing that and getting recognized for playing low tier and doing it at a high level. Um, you can get more recognition that than playing Akuma or Kami or whatever and you know it just people are going to respect it a hell of a lot more and you can make a big reputation for yourself on that alone so I will always advocate for the low tier people low tier heroes you know like I, I love it I love seeing it so uh, but definitely it's a good pick um, even though I don't have him in there who's yours so who, who oh who's my third yeah it's Falk uh, Falk yeah Falk is so there, there were less people playing Falk than the other low tiers I checked out. In terms of like Grandmasters and above on CFN, I only saw 40 people. If that's not the lowest in the game, it's very close to the lowest in the game for the amount of, of time that Falk has been out, right? Um, it, it's uh, More people are playing characters like Alex, Nash, and Fong at a high level than they're playing Falk in the CFN rankings, right? And... and uh, that hurts her quite a bit in my eyes. It's like, I can't have a character that serious when the community is collectively never taking her that serious. It's like, even with Vega, even with Fong, there's more pros actually playing those characters than there are playing Falk. Um, so that that's, you know, you can say that's a, a valid thing or an invalid thing, but to me, it's a valid thing. That's, you know, the, the populace playing a character, it's how come you and I rate Rashid so high, is that there's a lot of tournament players who play him, and it's like, yeah, so he's a great character there. And it's just, you know, the... The stats, they matter, right? That's what I go back to. Sure. Um, She's a, so little, anyway, if you, a little scary to me because um, mm -hmm. there, I, I've heard like rumblings that Falk is secretly better than people have perceived and that she's been getting better over time uh, compared yep. to where, where she was released. The, also, the fact that she's a mid-range kind of zony character in this new meta, I think, uh, is going to give her a little bit more traction. And uh, we have here in Arizona, Rambro is a Falk player. He, he jumped on the Falk train maybe like two years ago or so, maybe a little bit more, um, and hadn't had tons of results with her but stuck with her and then recently won Wednesday Night Fights 
with her. And so I see things like that and I go, yeah, I don't think that she's necessarily the best in the game. I don't have a ton of trouble with the Falks that I've run into personally and I haven't seen a ton of representation of her um, in, you know, bigger, higher level tournaments and such. But with those other things that I said, that's what kind of kept her out of my bottom three. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody really took the time and figured things out for her to emerge as one of those characters that is actually like, you know, B tier, you know, middle of the pack and, and can do some stuff. I hear she's pretty good against Rose, just generally mm, speaking. Interesting. Or was, okay. it the, or was it the polar opposite? Because she can like... I have no idea. Yeah. Oh. That's an, I mean, how often are you going to run across a high level Falk, especially playing Rose, right? Yeah, so it's still very The opportunity for that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, actually, let me let me potentially put myself on Blaster, because I'm not going to back off this. I feel the way I do about Falk, but since you have more experience here, especially with a, a player who's strong, right? Do you think what Rambro is doing is the the player or the character or what kind of combination of those two things because I usually go to for my own default thing it's like what punk did with Dan that's him dude that's punk doing that that's not mm-hmm. Dan yes Dan's capable of that but that's that's most people aren't going to freaking do that like especially if you can play a Karen or you can play Cammy or someone like that or Chun-Li you're going to go do that you're not going to play Dan yeah he can do it but that it's that's mostly the player doing the work there but in in this case here how do you feel like Rambo and Falk how do you feel that works um well, I think a lot of it also comes down to people, I mean, people don't play a lot of Falk, so people don't have a lot of experience against her, and she's probably getting away with a lot of stuff, a lot of the combos and like situations that she's putting you into, it's like the first or second time you've even seen it, right? So so that's definitely part of it, that um, there's not a lot of experience against her. Rambo is a, a strong player, he's he's never really been the best in Street Fighter uh, in, in our scenes, but he's like a top 8 kind of a player, especially when he puts his mind to it, he also plays NRS, I think more primarily, so his focus yeah. tends to go in that direction but um and and, like i've never seen him win street fighter tournaments uh before so he's definitely leveled up and i I haven't had much interaction over the last year or two because he's up in phoenix and we just haven't had those locals and stuff so um but it it was definitely a moment it was like oh rambo has really been leveling up and he did it with falk that's something uh so so but i guess to more specifically address your question um uh, part of it is is inexperience there's a part of it is is rambro's ability but um uh, i don't know it's not it's not like i don't think she's gonna surprise people uh, amazingly and be like suddenly super duper good i just think that uh um she's not a she's not a bottom three type as far as i can tell Okay. Yeah. Um, to me, and, and you know, going back to her changes you talked about earlier, they were mostly underwhelming to me. I think she got okay stuff this year, but something we've talked about before is that how hard it is to get a bottom tier character to overcome their suckage, right? <laughs> it's just, it, if a character really sucks, it's like you've got to do so much. And I look at Ryu and it's like, we had Ryu very hyped up from the get go. And, you know, Ryu was considered a bottom tier character in this game, right? And he got just nothing but buffs and ridiculous levels. And it's like, now people are saying like, he's probably top 10. He's probably top 15. He's probably somewhere around there. Well, I look at Falk, and we had her as one of the worst characters in the game in a prior season. And it's like, I look at her changes, and I go, she didn't get a lot collectively. She got a bit of stuff. And I do think that if, you know, you're playing Falk, this is the best she's ever been. You know, but the best she's ever been, she's been the worst character in the game or the second worst for a long time. And and so I, I really think that that she she falls into the classic trap of, if you're that low, it's just so hard to overcome that hurdle, mm-hmm. and I just don't see Falk doing that right now. But um, so that, that's what I what I want to mention. But who's your honorable mention? Because I know there's another character yes. you're hyping up. I want to talk about this character and just see you know bounce it off the wall and see what kind of comes back, or throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Um, that's Armika. 
Mika has been a very strong character and a very controversial character uh, for more than just her booty and the angles there. Uh, and and like you'd never put Mika in the conversation about the bottom three for all of Street Fighter V's life, but maybe now with the change in the meta, because Mika has never been a strong, honest, neutral character. She's been a gimmick character in neutral, and what she wants to do is kind of sneak her way in with goofy jump cancel into the splash or drop kicks or uh, you know relying on pe- people not knowing that her standing medium punches is actually not a plus you know at least not anymore. Um, things like that. She's she's gimmicky. And Street Fighter V has started very gimmicky and has been slowly but surely kind of moving away from those things to more honest play. Pepper in now that there's uh, that Oki is not as strong as it was. Set play is not as strong as it was with V-Shift and the options there, especially against command grab characters because that's like directly going to counter what they're trying to do some of the time with command grabs. And I just gotta, it's more of like looking at how Mika functions. It's like, she's not good at yep. the neutral. She's, her, her Oki is now nerfed. So you're going to often return to neutral. And then a lot of the times when she does get close, uh, and I was talking to Thrasher about this too recently. So shout outs to Thrasher. Some of this is, is um, his, his understanding and his findings, but like she'll, she'll work to earn a 50, 50 where other characters are working mm. to earn actual damage. And now, with, with V-Shift in there, working to earn a 50-50 is significantly worse than it used to be. So all of those things add up to, like, Mika's a worse character. Uh, not the worst character, necessarily, but a worse character. And I wonder just how far down the tier list she's fallen, and if it's, if it's feasible to entertain the idea that maybe it's a bottom three kind of a fall. But what do you think? Definitely not bottom three, but I agree. Let me back up and say those things you said are all valid and legitimate. And that's the case why we've made that Mika finally fell from grace because she's been maybe the winningest character in all of Street Fighter V history. I don't know if it's like her, uh, Kami. Uh, it's probably one of those two characters. I'm not quite sure which one. Um, but I mean, Mika's been insane. Um, but with this last CPT, the only person who played Mika was Fudo. Now, and that was, you know, his, his uh, third string character at this point. But Luffy has been going on and on about how bad Rose sucks. And he's like, you know what? You know who I'm going to play instead? Mika. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so Mika's clearly not that bad. I mean, Fudo's still using her. Uh, Luffy apparently still plans on using her, even with all the other options and other stuff out there. Like, when you have a character that has been that dominant, it is really hard to knock them down. Now, Mika gets hit particularly hard by V-Shift and a few other things, and if you told me that Luffy goes and drops, you know, Mika in another month after, you know, the first European CPT, whatever that is, I should say, um, I say, okay, yeah, sure. I it's, it's hard for me to buy bottom three because when you've won that much, it's like the birdie thing. And, and shout outs to Fudo again because he was still playing birdie, right? I do think birdie's worse as well. Uh, birdie got very minor nerfs, but again, the meta of the game has shifted. And so I think that what you're seeing with birdie and with Mika is that a lot of the people who were not all in on the character are basically dropping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the few people that were all in on Mika, I think are still somewhat playing her. Uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing right now. Uh, I don't know how well that's going to hold up, but it's it's so hard to knock down a character. And, and for proof of that, look at Akuma, look at Rashid. We see notable nerfs to those characters every year. And and pretty much the response is not enough, not enough. And the, the response has pretty much come from you and I about not enough, not enough. And then uh, Majin Tenshinan, of course, he, he would love to see Rashid re- reduced to, to nothing. <laughs> if Rashid like, did one damage on every single attack, he'd be like, that that's fair. That's about right. So, um, but anyway, um, but um, so... I, I going back to Mika, I think she is decidedly worse. I think you've got a good read. I'm just I'm personally not prepared to say bottom three. That's fair. Uh, yeah, if you told me bottom ten, I, 
maybe, maybe, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I'd have to look, you know, we'll do a tier list here in the near future, I'm sure, uh, and get a read on that, but there it is. Sounds good. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, too. It's like, she's she's worse. She's worse, uh, worth bringing up in this kind of context just to see where she sort of lands, but maybe not bottom three, but I thought it was interesting. There you go. All right, y'all. Uh, is that going to wrap us up, John? I think good? that's all I had to say about that. Uh, like all us right. and put us in your top eight on MySpace and all that good stuff. Tell your family. Uh, subscribe. Please uh, subscribe on YouTube. We're really trying to uh, get that going here, get that started. Um, and uh, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta get enough videos, enough watch time, and whatnot to really get off the ground with that. So that's where we're uh, we're headed. So if you're liking this, please share it with your friends, family. This episode you can share with your uh, with your Mortal Kombat buddies, uh, not just your Street Fighter friends. So, um, but yeah, get the word out there. If you like the Event Hubs podcast, shoot us comments with what you'd like to hear us talk about. Any questions, comments, concerns, uh, mailbag stuff. We read it. We'll go through it. So uh, you guys are welcome to engage as much as you want. We really appreciate it. Yeah, if, and if you guys want to punch me in the face for my opinions and other stuff like that, instead of doing that, just punch the like button on YouTube. That's a much better alternative than punching me in the face. I'd appreciate it. And that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event House Podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. <laughs> See you.